Blog Talk Radio. Off, don't let it go unheard. We are in the first little six-minute segment that is only for Blog Talk listeners. I'm here with cartoonist Bosch Faustin, and I see the chat room is active over here at Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, Bosch made his debut last night here on Blog Talk. He did his first PO cast. Is that what you call it? What's the title? What's it called? Things, things that make my blood boil. <laughs> yeah, things that make my blood boil, and uh, it was pretty. Uh, you know, by the by the seat of my pants. It was it was short notice. I think less than an hour before the show. I I, I decided because I was pissed off about something, and that's what the show was about, really. Um, even though I'm I'm gonna review Captain America when it comes out, and one thing I'll do about that. I, think, I, I hope you're not pissed off about Captain America. I, I hope, hope it's not either. Be, yeah. It looks fantastic, but the uh, terrorist sympathizing Robert Redford is in there. Robert Redford is in there. So who knows? He might try to smuggle in some of some of his socialist crap. We'll see. But uh, about about the uh, thing, um, it was pretty rough going. I mean, uh, you know, a, a lot of um, um, and also when I when I when someone called in, I said uh, hello, hello, as if I as if I'm home. And I, instead of saying welcome to the show, I'm gonna I've, figure things I've, out. I've done my share of that. I, too. I think I'm gonna watch Amy a little more than I usually do today. Right, but I mean, what you need to do is watch a real, real <laughs> professional. Someone like well, a Limbaugh, somebody who's been doing it for years and years and years, yeah, who well, is actually very smooth. Well, he's very slick. Here in the chat room, Robert is asking whether that was mace spray by the Jezebels. Yes, good call. Yes, excellent. Yeah, nice. Definitely. So definitely like to promote the Jezebels here and very there. Very good. It's not quite as obscure as the other intro music. Elliot says he likes it, so maybe we'll go ahead and try that maybe. music for a while. We'll be, we will be playing it again, so you'll get another chance to listen to it. Um they need the uh, RSS feed location for Bosch's podcast as a podcast. Bosch is going to have to figure that out. I know that there was a way that I submitted yeah. my podcast to iTunes I from Blog Talk, and we're going to look at that. I had we'll a little problem with doing it, but I did do it, and um, I just uh, I was able to put put it up on my podcast app. You know, I don't know how I did it. I got to say, I think I, I, I plugged it into the computer. And through the iTunes, it just basically happened. I think I dragged it over onto the phone. But it's fun. It's fun to do. And I will try to make it, you know, things that maybe might not be crazy about, which I'm crazy about. Comic books, movies, pop culture, uh, Islam, you know, real crazy about Islam. But um, I mean, these are these are all things that I think are worth a d- discussion. But probably in the hierarchy of yeah. my show, I wouldn't discuss quite as much. No. I could do a, an entirely privacy-related podcast or something, I guess, if I wanted as well. But I think one show a week is is plenty for me. I love State Defiance in the <laughs> chat room here. 
He says, I wanted to start a show called Things That Don't Make My Blood Boil, but it probably wouldn't be a very lengthy show. <laughs> I mean, as you, as you notice, if you go over to DontLetItGo.com where I've got the program notes posted for today, you can see that there are a few things that I am pleasantly surprised about, but they're, you know, not huge. But you try to look for the, the good yeah. in, out in the world as well. There's other good it's things there. that are going on in the world this week, but I just gave you a few things. You've got to look a little deeper. But it's always there. With. It's always there, the good stuff. Always. Yeah. Yep. Even today. Sorry. Even today. Uh, another thing I want to do before we go into show proper, as it were, right. is thank Daniel, who actually made me this cool little app. It's fantastic. I have running on my little iPad mini now within my sight of vision here, uh, an app that is telling me how much time I have in this initial news break segment, which is what they're going to be doing with this at Liberty Express Radio. Again, this show is syndicated at Liberty Express Radio, and that's why we're having these segments. Now, I've got 55, 54 seconds. This is awesome. So thank you very much, and I think it's going to make my job quite a bit easier especially because of my show clock here at Blog Talk Radio and, and keeping track of it. So what are we going to do here, boss? Uh, audibletrial.com, well, that's the other also, thing we should say before the also break. one thing is just uh, check out my show tonight at 9 p.m. I'm, I'm going to do another, another show tonight. Assuming he still has the energy after we oh, put yeah. him through the ringer oh, yeah. during this show. So, okay, we're going to take a few. We're going to start the music again, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Don't let it go unheard. This is the March 14th, 2014 episode. We discuss here news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and joining me here in the studio, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Hello, Hello Bosch. Everyone. So today we get to talk about things that have disappointed me over this week. I just have been kind of marveling in amazement a little bit that this is a week in which a number of people have disappointed me to a pretty large extent. Um, Of course, personal ones are always going to have more impact on you. And the first one that I'm going to talk about, you can, you know, get all the links to the stories, as it were, that we're discussing today over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. But the first that we're going to talk about is more personal. And so if you don't even know the people involved, just take it from the standpoint of if you're a regular listener to my show and you want to understand things that are impacting me this week on a personal level and on a you know pretty profound level, then 
you can sympathize. And I think that what happened this week to me has happened to all kinds of people in different contexts since the beginning of time. I don't know. I don't know. So the thing that happened, not to be too mysterious, some people know that there are kind of long-standing disputes between people in objectivism and every ideology, but you know. and yeah, and this is true of any ideology. And as I talked about earlier this week, we actually guest hosted for Tammy Bruce on Tuesday, which was the day that a lot of the discussion was coming. Actually, Wednesday. Wednesday. Tuesday Tuesdays when I was, found out. Wednesday, a lot of the discussion was coming out about it. And Wednesday, uh, Tammy asked me to fill in because she we'll had the flu. We'll some of that today. Some yeah, that. We'll, we'll we'll talk a little. But the the point is, is that in any ideological movement there and actually in any group it's not even an ideological movement so for instance in the, the dog shiites, agility in the dog agility the world the shiites and the sunnis also. <laughs> well right right but in the dog agility world where it's not even ideological people have disputes and disagreements and factions and all kinds of things in an ideological movement especially one that takes moral ideas seriously those disputes are going to take on an entirely different tenor. It's going to, yeah, people are going to bring in words like betrayal, right? They're going to, and they're going to say, look, this person is betraying his values. He's betraying the ideas that we all stand for. Things like that. The magnitude of the dispute and the nature of the judgments made are going to be quite different. Uh-huh. Did you say 14th um, or 21st? Oh, the date. it is March 21st. Did I say it was the 14th? I am so sorry, Maybe. people. I didn't... No, it is the 21st, yes, and I, I said the 14th. I know, I know, I, it's, I I know agree. it's 21st, but mm, my was, gosh. It, uh, was it a story here or something? No, no, it was, it was something that I was reading off of that was entirely wrong. So I thought I had it all <laughs> smooth today, but no, I didn't. It is the 21st. I do not want to confuse anyone at all. Oh, and we, we're welcoming Randy for the first time. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Joining Randy. here at the Blog Talk Very Radio cool. chat room. Yeah, so these disputes, I think they go on everywhere. And it is the in the... The more serious the ideas, I think the more serious the disputes. Well, the more seriously yeah. the movement takes yeah. ideas, the more serious, right. the, the bigger the ramifications the for the disputes. Yeah. That's going to happen. That's just kind of in the nature of it. But here, this was somebody who... I've known, I hate to say, for over 15 years, and I've known him in a personal capacity. So, for instance, when I lived in Colorado, I remember he came and stayed at our house over Christmas time. Um, He worked for a long time with my ex-husband on various projects. He, as many people know, David Harriman, he edited the Ayn Rand journals, and Again, you know, people, if you don't know the disputes, it's not going to mean that much to you. But there was a woman named Barbara Brandon who basically made her career off of this book that she wrote smearing Ayn Rand. And the book was published after Ayn Rand was dead and after Ayn Rand could no longer defend herself against these smears and accusations that she has in the book. And one thing, you know, the worst thing is if you don't know anything – if you see a biography of Ayn Rand, you'll take the word for it because you don't know anything. You know, you just read the founder, Alice Rand, and then you jump to that book, which which I did. I read all her books, and then I jumped to that. And you assume this person wouldn't be BSing or wouldn't be stretching the truth or wouldn't be lying flat out. Well, you know, it was interesting because the way that I was introduced to the Brandon books, I had started getting involved in Rand's ideas through the fiction. And then in college, there was an Ayn Rand club. Right. And I had a couple of friends 
who said, you know, you shouldn't really get involved with that club because it's a cult. And here, read these books and you can learn the truth. So I read both of the Brandon books in college. And we're talking, I'm dumb, I know nothing, right? I mean, I wasn't dumb, but I didn't know anything. How about that? And even I, when I was reading those books, I could tell, first of all, two things. One, they didn't publish those books till after Ayn Rand died and couldn't defend herself. Second, all the things that sounded like the worst that Ayn Rand could have done, right? All the bad, bad, truly bad stuff. It was witnessed only by Rand herself, of course, Frank O'Connor, who was already dead, or the two Brandons, who I guess made a pact to not tell on each other or something. I have no idea. They seem to be mutually supporting each other in their Also, there was one thing that that Barbara Brandon wrote in the intro about this. Basically, she said, I am real is not perfect. Okay. And I'm like, "Um, uh uh-oh. I mean, first of all, nobody's perfect, first of all. And I think she well, perfect if up. you take it in this out of right. context sense, yes, right? Exactly. You have, I mean, you, you but have what to she was understand, saying was, no, it's right? perfect, and I'm going to prove it to you during this book. It's right. like, oh man. So let me let me tear down Ayn Rand as much as I can one, and one make a also, career just, out of just it. Just personal, a uh, personal experience. Years ago, there was a uh, a talk that she was given that I was at, unfortunately, but I was there, and she was talking about Ayn Rand and Ayn Rand's reaction to the negativity about Atlas Shrugged. The negative reviews. The negative reviews. Right. And it was so overwhelmed her. She basically made it sound like Ayn Rand was defeated by them. It was really ugly, and I was looking around for anyone to see, to hear what I, what I heard. Nobody. People were tearing up. People were... It was really sad. People believed was, her that Ayn Rand was defeated yeah. by negative reviews about Atlas Shrugged. And I'm like, this Atlas woman Shrugged, wrote yeah. Atlas Shrugged. She created a philosophy. She came from Soviet Russia. She was a powerhouse. You know, she may have been upset, possibly, yeah, but to pretend that she was destroyed, and that's what Brandon was trying to push, Barbara Brandon, and I was very offended by that. Yeah, so this is a woman who also, this David Harriman, who I'd known for years, he denounced her and said that what she did was lies. Apparently, he praised the book that James Valiant wrote, in answer to these Brandon books, if you haven't checked out this book and you've read, if you're taking the two Brandon's books yes. for word about, you know, as, as the truth about Ayn Rand, you need to check out James Valiant's book, The Passion of Ayn Rand's Critics. And he goes through in detail no. the different stories and things that are told in those books and basically shows the contradictions. And, I wish, and, you know, those books, I wish James' books and other ones existed at the same time. To counter them at the time, you know, it was it was what it was. If an individual doesn't have the passion to do it, that's fine. But man, it was important because they got a lot of crap through. They absolutely did right. with no. But defense. I but I think unless unless you've read James Valiant's book, then you haven't heard the whole story. Now the, again, I, you know, e you know, I was I was ignorant. I was young. And still, I was able yeah, to sort smell. through the BS and smell the yeah. and and you can smell in the tone oh, no and everything else. So. I th- these people who think she's great, no, I think she was definitely bad. And I-, I had only Barbara one. Brandon. Yeah, Barbara Brandon was was a definitely not a good person. And when I went to a funeral for Leonard's mother up in Winnipeg, she came to a reception there, and there was a reception after the funeral. And people, there was a buffet, and people were eating and filling plates of food and eating. And I guess she had filled her plate of food already, and she was sitting down at some table. And a, an elderly gentleman who I think had been friends with 
Leonard's father and mother. He, I think, was at the buffet. He was standing, you know, he was, uh, I think over by the buffet filling a plate, but he was standing. And suddenly he collapsed on the floor. She looked over and so. saw. She looked over, saw this guy collapse on the floor, and she was one of the closest people to him. She just she sat there and kept eating and ignored while everybody else was going, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with this guy? Let's go help him. Naturally. Naturally. So I'm, I'm sorry. I just I was not impressed when I saw that interaction in person. I also re- vaguely recall going to a UCLA extension lecture when I was in college. It was going to be on Ayn Rand's ideas. And of course, I'm naive. I don't know who's who. And I go to attend. You were allowed to attend the first lecture and decide whether you wanted to take the course. So you could go and attend the first lecture for free. And the guy, I guess, in order to attract people to the course, had Barbara Brandon come and guest lecture at the first course. And I was not impressed. Absolutely. She did some smeary crap there. So I, I'm just, Barbara Brandon, no. She was also, you know, of course, uh, attacking personally my ex-husband. So imagine all these years you think that this guy, this friend, David Harriman, is in agreement with you about the damage that Barbara Brandon did to Ayn Rand in it, you know, mm-hmm. unjustified. Uh, you think that he is your friend. He's the friend of your ex-husband. He was trusted to work on many projects. He was helped a lot by Leonard in his own work, um, you know, given a lot of guidance and support and everything else. And then suddenly you learn that this man has attended Barbara Brandon's memorial. Some people disagree, but I think if you attend a memorial for a person, you're there to honor that person in some way, shape, or form, unless you make some statement about, I'm going there because some people were posting silly stuff like, I was going there to see to make sure she was dead. They were, <laughs> like, they were being funny because yeah. they or, said, well, as a scientist, he wanted to prove positive suppose, that she was dead. Suppose, uh, suppose you're a journalist and you have to report on it or something. I mean, I don't know. But he goes there. And there's no statement that he has switched allegiances in any way, you know, that he's gone over to just very casually. He allowed that picture to be posted there. And then when asked, he said, well, I didn't know Barbara Brandon. And I was going there just to meet my friend, David Kelly, whom I had dinner with later. Because that's what I, I always do that. I always go to memorials to meet my buddies and have dinner. Well, and I mean, particularly memorials of bad people, exactly. right? I mean, right. If, yeah. look, if Obama dies, I'm going to go meet my buddy at the memorial and then go have dinner after. Right. Yeah. 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 I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. So that's how, and, and the way that I learn about this, this longtime friend who had done all this work that I respect, who is a close associate of my ex-husband, whom I'm still friendly with for many years, the way I learn about this is a photo in which he's tagged on Facebook and he's just very nonchalant in any response that he's given so far. Yeah, I was there. So what? No big deal. That's a big deal. And oh yeah, I'm friends with this David Kelly guy. Bah, no big deal. He's my friend. Hello. Since when? I don't know. Anyway, it, it was incredibly uh, shocking and disappointing to me. And, you know, again, from the nature of what I know of Barbara Brandon and what she did, I could not, imagine anybody who was a friend of mine going to her memorial. Also, one thing, what is Barb Brandon uh, known for? I mean, in all seriousness, most known for. Especially. She's known for her passion of Ayn Rand. That's, That's what and she's known for. So then you yeah. got the cash-in. And she did um, the movie, yeah. The, the cash-in of Barbara Brandon. I yeah. Mean, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. She cashed in on her friendship with Ayn Rand, smeared her, and that's all she's known for. 
There's nothing else. I mean, I don't think she's written anything. She co-wrote uh, Who Was I Ran with Brandon in the 60s, I think. Right. I think. But that's it. Anyway, I don't know what his reasons are for what he did or anything else, but I just know that he probably should have notified certainly someone like Leonard Peikoff when he was making these decisions to go be friends with David Kelly, going to the Brandon Memorial, if he had any regard for Leonard anymore, then he would have. But no, Leonard didn't learn before the posting of this picture either, which he later learned about. So I don't know. It, anyway, that was just disappointing me. That's all That's all I wanted to say about it. It's, it's disappointing me. I would disagree with the idea of going to the memorial. I could not really imagine never. a reason for going there. And certainly you don't just say, oh, well, I've never met her. That's not an excuse. You don't have to. I, I have never met Kim Jong-un, you know? I'm, I'm going to the memorial. My man, I'm going there. I'm, I'm meeting a buddy of mine. You know, let's meet at the... I've never met Barack Obama. Yeah, let's meet I don't Bill, like him. Let, let's meet at Bill Clinton's memorial. Yeah, he was a scumbag, but what are you going to do? In the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, it says, uh, Barbara Brandon wrote two books, both on Rand, nothing two original. Two fiction books, right? So, yeah, she was a fiction writer. That's right. <laughs> right? The cash in the Barbara Brandon. Actually, I think some people have, and I, this is actually something you should not do that I've heard people do, though. They, they'll they take a Brandon book and stick it in a fiction section. That's funny. You should not do that. It's private property of a bookstore, but, you know. <sighs> Robert NYC was, says, when was the last time he had dinner with his friend David Kelly? That's the thing. I don't know. No, was, yeah, but no, nobody even knows that they were friends. completely a surprise yeah, to me. Nobody even knows the that way, they were friends. The way I learned about it was through a picture in which he was tagged on Facebook. And the only reason I know about the David Kelly friendship is because that was his response when someone said, were you really at Barbara Brandon's memorial? Uh, he's not somebody that I would have expected to see there. And again, you judge people, right? It's not that... Every single person who was at that memorial, no. I think, oh, they're a terrible person who has betrayed no. me. Because I would judge people according to their context of knowledge, of course, and the values that I've shared with ever the you know with the person over the years. And I'm saying that when David Harriman goes to Barbara Brandon's memorial, that I am Absolutely. deeply disappointed based on my prior knowledge of him. It's it's all based on expectations, and that's why if you go. You know, to don'tletitgo.com, and I talk about the different things that are disappointing and stuff today. I don't put whatever Nancy Pelosi just did in the category of disappointment <laughs> because I expect her to do bad stuff, right? Um, there's some people who don't know about these longstanding disputes, and I guess they don't know that Barbara Brandon has basically smeared. Maybe they've never read Barbara Brandon's books, Maybe and they've they only seen a speech of hers at the Atlas Society, right. and they didn't know that much about Ayn Rand, and they thought, you know, they said, well, I'd be really disappointed if there was negative reviews. So maybe Rand was devastated when she had negative reviews. Now, was Rand disappointed when she sure. had negative reviews? Probably. But overwhelmed, destroyed? That's no. what she tried to make it seem like. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's ugly stuff. So that was a huge personal disappointment for me this week. The last time I saw Dave Heron my, myself, I think it was a little over a year ago, and I remember thinking he wasn't quite as mm -hmm. friendly. And I just thought, maybe he's preoccupied with something. Men feel guilty. And maybe he was in bed with... I, I mean, I don't know, you know, you, but it's just my personal observation was he had been friendly, much friendlier the time before that than the last time I saw him. And maybe, yeah, he was already doing that. 
but he's trying to go on with business as usual as far as I know and, and not answer questions about it. That's I haven't seen any statement. If anybody sees a statement from him about this, explaining it in any way, shape, or form, please do send it to me because I've unfriended the guy on Facebook because I can't imagine any good explanation for, for what he's done. I would be interested if he has any substantive explanation for what he's well, done. Well, there was a gun but... involved. There was a gun involved. That's it. So <laughs> Yeah, that that makes you do things you don't want to do. So I don't know. I don't know. It's really bad. <sighs> Elliot says, "I will be frank and say that I really hope this kind of drama will be absent from Ocon. If the woman is dead, then let her remain." So it's not about her, really. It's not about no, her. No, it's 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 really not about her. I mean, again, the, I'm the point I'm presenting is who this. She was and, and who David is. Not I'm that I'm presenting thing. this here again. This is me. I have a personal context with this guy, and I am personally disappointed so this is something and, that got me this week. and it's gone public i mean it's all over facebook it's all over the objectivist movement so this is worth talking about you know yeah. to some extent robert nyc is asking whether there's any response from leonard no there's no response and i don't know of him actually planning on making any statement it's it's not the kind of thing where like i haven't seen dave harriman around objectivist circles for a while anyway it'd be one thing if he tries to do things, you know, oh, with ARI or right. comes, then maybe there's going to be something. But it sounds like he's kind of mo- removed himself from the ARI side of the objectivist movement. I don't see that there's any real purpose to do anything except for just be disappointed. And if you thought you were friends with him, then maybe not. I'm, I'm with Elliot. I mean, yeah. Oh, Elliot says he, he's looking forward to his first Ocon. And I want it to be fun. And I and I think it will be Elliot. It is. It always is. You know, this is the thing. people are used to these disputes in the objectivist movement they are used to it but the people who are you know personally connected to those who you know we feel betrayed by or something we're the ones who are more affected most people i think won't be that affected by this and that's why a lot of them are dismissive of it as if it's no big deal well and 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 you digest it personally it might not be a big deal but if you really think about it you know what these people did and what David is supposed to represent, and him there, it just just doesn't make sense. I mean, clearly it doesn't. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to go. I don't think he's going to no, go. No, not there. Okay. I'm not okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that he went to Barbara Brandon's memorial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. That okay. is inexplicable. You're like, right. what the hell? That doesn't make sense. Knowing about David, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's just, it's again, it's something that for some people is very personally disappointing. I wouldn't support people making a huge no deal out of it otherwise. No. But they can express their shock, you know, without saying, hey, don't be shocked. They are shocked. People are shocked. Right. I mean, there's good reason well, a why. Lot, a lot of people are surprised. But, again, when you see the history over the years of people who have left objectivism for various reasons, yeah. I mean, it, 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 tur- it turns out like it's a, it's a disappointing part of life. Let's just talk about it that way. We're going to go next into a huge disappointment that we had this week with respect to Mark Levin, whom we admire. And just we've got a four minute break coming up, says my little app over here. But before that, let's talk about one thing that came up last week. And I didn't think it was such a big deal. It did disappoint me about Mark Levin, but I didn't even get it into the show last week because it just didn't seem to be that huge a deal. It was Mark Levin talking about on his show that he doesn't pick up after his dog when his dog poops during a walk. I mean, that's just, he's full of... Uh. Now, you were listening to that, Bosch, right? I was listening, and I turned it off because I was, I was shocked. I mean, I walk, you know, the, the dogs, and uh, you got to pick up the, their poop. 
it's not my favorite thing of the day. No. I'm not passionate about it. <laughs> I'm not like, yes, I can't, you know, I can't wait. Um, it's something that you do because your dog is your property. The dog's poop is your property. What the hell are you going to leave it on the, on the sidewalk? If, imagine if, if everyone did that. Imagine if everyone did that. It's pathetic. And he basically said on the show, he uh, he got a call in and he asked the guy what to do. The guy said, I'm a pooper scooper. And he goes, oh, yeah, I, I can't do that. I mean, sometimes I walk my dog and they poop. I look I look around. If no one's looking, I keep going. I just I can't pick that up. And this is a guy who believes in God, so God's watching him. I mean, why wouldn't you do it at least in front of God? I mean, what, you know, what, yeah, you, what would you, God you think of think him? think that God is watching him and that when he tries to enter the <laughs> pearly gate, that, that they'd say, you know, you know how much dog poop you didn't pick up over the course <laughs> of your life? Full. Before, you, you have to spend time in purgatory picking up dog poop before you can <laughs> go to right. heaven, right? That's right, for eternity. <laughs> no, but it's just, it, it tells you something about him. It, it does. And him to admit it on the air, he goes, just between us, you know, I don't... Between I don't us do and the 8 million listeners. Yeah, 8 million listeners. And right. he goes, I, I look around and, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't like it. I don't like it. You got to do it. There's some things you don't like, you do. And he's Mr. Dog Lover. I right. love dogs. I, he wrote a book about dogs. He always talks about dogs. And here he goes, leaving his dog poop where people can step on it. It's ugly. So that is the little thing that yeah. has disappointed me about Mark Levin. The big thing that came up this week, I think you said it was on his Monday show. Is that right? Probably. Probably. Both of these hit around the same time, Monday, right. Tuesday. Yeah. And... He had a caller who was calling in and responding to Mark Levin posting a list or discussing a list of his prerequisites for a GOP 2016 candidate. And one of those was that the person have a belief in God. So what we'll do after the break is talk to you about Levin's response to a caller who complained about that right after this. This is a little piece 
by the Jezebels that you're listening to, I do highly recommend. Uh, if you like this kind of music, if you don't like this kind of music, I'm very sorry to subject you to it. But if you enjoy contemporary music, I think you'd enjoy checking out more of their work. So get it either through Amazon or iTunes. We have returned, and I think we're returning in a timely fashion, thanks to Daniel making this wonderful app Excellent. for us to use during the show. Thank you so much, Daniel. Very helpful, Daniel. Um, I'm looking at this, and I'm really enjoying it, so thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're going to talk about Mark Levin. Yeah, and Mark Levin. We, we did the excellent talk show host, Mark Levin, the great talk show host, Mark Levin. The, the man who wrote a book on a very plausible, practical way by which we can get the rats out of Washington. He's excellent. That, you know, he, he thinks that Washington is so entrenched with big government bureaucratic mentalities that and the only way to affect substantial change, which is required in order to save our country, would be to start in a you know convention, a series of conventions around the country conventions of the to states. amend the Constitution and he, he may indeed be right. So I, we've also, respected him and he's also just one of the best talk is. show hosts. I went to a book signing, shook his hand, gave gave him some stuff, and we know we, he's great. He's uh, one one of my favorites, if not the best, right now out there outside of Amy, and Tammy, and me. Yeah, and <laughs> but then, and one then, thing also, all, all those rats that he wants to get out, a lot of them believe in God. I mean, they do. A lot of them have professed belief in God, and meaning it doesn't matter. You know, you got rats who believe in God, you got rats who don't believe in God, but he holds it as a major, important reason to vote for someone yeah yeah and so i see this headline this week the right scoop puts it out there awesome mark levin schools intolerant atheist caller and i also see on mark levin's page on facebook an intro to this link 
And he himself says intolerant, meaning that he thinks the caller is intolerant. What? Ed says, but why be surprised at a living statement? I've read all his books. It's not, no, no. I'm his, surprised at his treatment of this yes, caller. absolute contempt, but also uh, his show rarely does he bring up religion, rarely does bring up the social issues. He rarely does that. Uh, you know, he says he believes in God. That's, that's fine. But what I'm saying is, and I accept, I don't give a damn he believes in it. I really don't. It's the point that he's saying this is absolutely essential to the next candidate. This is of major importance, and that's the problem. And again, he doesn't talk about this stuff, which is would lead one would lead one to believe that wait a minute, maybe it doesn't mean that much to him. It clearly does. He he came out, or it doesn't mean that know? much to him in, in the political sphere. Well, yeah, but now it does. I mean, clearly. Right. So listen to what he says when someone calls in and objects to him having as a litmus test yeah. for a GOP presidential candidate in 2016. Uh, he objects to that being a religious litmus test yes. that the person has to have faith in God. So here we go. Everybody, sing along. A little early there, but... Yeah, me neither. I, I should know. do that stuff, right? <laughs> Jim, Tampa, Florida, the great WFLA country, go! Hey, Mark. I, I enjoy your show, and I agree with you the vast majority of the time. Um, but it drives me crazy when you do what you just did uh, a little while ago. One second. I've stopped. Um, Levin sometimes gets a big heads up from his uh, producer about who's on the phone, what their subject is, and notice that Levin is whistling throughout the guy's complete uh, intro. Absolute contempt from the outset, just just for the record. Right, whistling. right, right. To miss that somehow religious faith is is either good or a prerequisite for being a good leader. Oh, it drives you crazy. Oh, I forgot. I'm not supposed to mention faith or God. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so he changes the subject immediately. He's saying that the caller is telling him he shouldn't mention faith or God. No, the caller is objecting in particular to Levin advocating a litmus test, a religious litmus test, for a potential 2016 GOP presidential candidate. Not for mentioning it. Not for mentioning God. He can mention God all he wants, but I think that it's legitimate to ask him, why would you say that any good GOP presidential contender must have belief in God. That's yes, what the call is Why would, quote-unquote, Mr. Constitution push that? Right. Mr. Constitution. That's how he's referred to on his show. Let's play some more. Did I offend? When the founders of the... It obviously drives you crazy, you said, when I mentioned faith or God. Well, then let me explain something to you. Well, no, why don't you educate me? Go ahead. Tell me about the founders. Well, sure. When, when they went to great concern to draft the Constitution yeah. uh, without referencing God and explicitly prohibiting religious tests for public office, I think it's very yeah. hypocritical. Well, where, where does the, first of all, just as a matter of factual history, where does the Constitution eliminate religious tests? It's Article 6, Section... It's Article 6, the last paragraph. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that? Oh. The states had religious tests for 40 years thereafter, including states like Massachusetts. That was for federal office, wasn't it, sir? Well, in that was a, hold, on, hold on, let's just get our facts straight. I don't encourage it, by the way, but that, that is a federal constitution. You see, when the federal constitution was first adopted and ratified with the states, it was talking about federal office holders, wasn't it, sir? Go ahead and pause it there. Well, so, like, I mean, we're, we're talking about a presidential candidate, which is a <laughs> Federal yes. office holder. <laughs> yes. um, Let's stick. He should tell Mark. Just stick to the to the point here, Mark. 
Yeah. Let's stick to the point that I made and that you made. Stop getting away from your own point here. Exactly. And uh, the dripping contempt. Not for one second does he take this, this caller seriously. I'm respecting him. His, he's a member of his quote-unquote beloved audience. You get, you know, imagine you are a huge fan of Mark Levin. You listen regularly. You call spend a lot call. of time calling in because getting into one of these shows very as a difficult. caller is very, very difficult. So this guy spent a lot of time. He spent a lot of time thinking about what he was going to say. He's preparing his remarks. He's going to disagree with this guy and, who he admires. And, he and Levin them. treats him like crap. And, you know, this atheist listens to the God-fearing Levin with no problem because of all the good stuff that he has to say. And yeah. Levin's saying, you know, go to hell, more or less. I completely agree, and I, and I... Okay, well, that's got our facts straight. That's number one. Number two, where does the Constitution ban religion? Nowhere does it ban religion. In fact, where does it ban religion in the public square? What? No. Let it keep going. Okay. Nowhere. Where does it ban prayer in public schools? Pause it. Well, I'm just sorry. He changes the topic entirely. Meaning, you know so what? The Constitution doesn't ban. Okay, and, you know, so religion in the public square, any public property. No, you would let people yeah. express their religion there, and I don't think necessarily that it would be establishment of religion. No, it is true that in the totally invalid context of government schools, and again, if you've listened to my show for a long time, government schools need to be abolished. We need to not have any government schools. But you could think, well, in the context of a government school, that if you allow people to profess their religion there, and there's other people who have to be there because kids, you know, education right. is mandatory. They're either in a public government school or they're in an approved homeschooling program or they're in a private school, right? So you've got a somewhat captive audience. So, yeah, if people are professing their religious belief, you could say, okay, maybe there's an establishment clause issue. But that whole context is invalid. And Levin it's completely – Oh, yeah, he knows No, this. he knows this. He's but he enough. is losing it. He's getting very emotional because he's been caught. He's been called out because the fact is he doesn't bring up these, these things. He doesn't bring up God. doesn't bring up abortion and gay marriage. He doesn't. He, he tries to stay clear from those issues. Which is why this guy was so offended by that, which is why a lot of his listeners probably, what the hell is this, Mark? Where are you coming from with this? And that's why he's losing it. He doesn't talk about it. He's not used to talking about it. And he's sure as hell not used to defending himself about it, over it. Yeah. Want to continue? No, so, I mean, the only point being is that he's, again, switching the topic Completely. to something that the caller was not asking about. The caller was asking, why should you have a litmus test that requires faith of any potential 2016 And Notice the caller's demeanor. And yeah. notice Levin's demeanor. Yeah. Notice the voice. Notice the tone. You know, the guy keeps coming back with the same point. And then Levin is, is bugged. He's like, you keep saying the same thing because you're not answering it. You keep avoiding the point. Yeah, Daniel in the chat room is saying the combination of prayer in public schools and truancy laws violates the First Amendment. I think there's a very valid argument to be made there. But I also think that arguments made within invalid contexts like government schools, you could reasonably argue both ways right. depending so it, it it's completely messed up and it's completely beside the point that the caller was trying to make go completely. ahead and play some more okay here's here's the rest well, arguably in the first uh, amendment to the constitution oh the first amendment you mean where it, it talks about not establishing a religion correct okay so when you pray in public school whether it's silent prayer or not like People did in this country until about, until they really, what, 50, 60 years ago. Um, 
That's when somebody figured out on the Supreme Court, wait a minute, this First Amendment actually bans prayer in school because you can't establish a religion. What religion was being established by prayer in school? Well, I, I, I would say, if I'm arguing on the other side, I would, people think... I'll completely decide the point, Alvin. You were annoyed. You said, I, nothing pisses me, nothing angers me more. Oh, uh, who's angry? Oh, uh, who's angry here? Yeah. He said it drives him crazy, yeah. which I think is and, a very mild way and, and to put he goes, his disagreement. And he said it. It drives me crazy. Not it drives yeah. like like Levin saying that he said it. Right. Levin said yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Levin is the angry, emotional freak during this exchange. It's embarrassing. Let me go on. I don't want you bring up religion, which I almost never do, as a matter of fact. But I've decided to bring it up because I'm sick and tired of us being pushed and told to be quiet. Yes, tax cuts. Don't bring up that other stuff. So wait, the reason why it's a limit test now is because he's sick and tired of it? You know, he's that's not a substantive reason. No, that's not a substantive reason. Not at all. Oh, my God, don't bring up God, for God's sakes. Right? You got it? I have that right? No, 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 Mark. Please, please understand me. Just because I don't think you should be... I shouldn't be what? I shouldn't be what? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, um, I want a candidate that's going to stand up proudly and talk about America being the most powerful nation on the face of the what earth, about unleashing the American people, our economy and freedom. Yes, about faith in God Almighty and not faith in government. Pause and it. Po- False alternative. Faith in God Almighty and not faith in government. Uh, Those are your two options? <laughs> right. I mean, that's right. it. And, and uh, he's talking from a context in which most atheists, believe that you have to have faith, I guess, in a secular institution like government. That. Is that the idea? So you faith what about somewhere. projection? I mean, that's just absolute projection. No. Atheists don't pray. They don't have faith. Mark? Politicians? Why is that so hard to understand? Have you read the Declaration of Independence lately, sir? Of course I have. And how many references to God are in there? Uh, I didn't count them, but that's not really my point. My point is... Well, let's hear your point. Go ahead. My point is, you, you just you just kind of... For saying something Stop like, telling me what I did. You just said you have a point. What's your point, sir? Okay, let me explain. Just the fact that, that faith and expressing religious faith was one of your big five or four factors that you mentioned... Is, is ridiculous. I don't remember saying expressing religious faith, saying that I have faith in God. That's not a particular religion, is it, sir? No, it is. Pause that. Okay, so if you say a religious faith, that's different than saying faith in God? No, I mean, no. It's hand in hand. I mean, you could say religious faith without specifying yes. any particular religion, so this is making no sense No, to it me. isn't. So basically he wants a mullah as president before he wants uh, me. I mean, I mean that, that's what you're saying, right? Right. <laughs> president Muhammad instead of President Faustin. <laughs> you need to be very, very careful about what's really, really upsetting you, don't you think? Who's upset? No, I'm always careful, and I, I, my point stands. And, and, I think it's and your point is what? My point is that to, to, to narrow down your, your desires of the qualifications for the next president, to list uh, among them uh, a professed faith, religious faith, is ridiculous. There you go again. I said a faith in God. I said a man or a woman who is not afraid to say, I believe in God and God bless America. That really troubles you, doesn't it? It troubles me to the extent it's one of your big factors that you want to... Oh, my God. You sound... Are you going to just keep repeating yourself? Well, what are your five big factors, pal? 
Uh, I would say strict adherence to the Constitution, and um, that will pretty much take care of everything. Oh, strict adherence to the Constitution. So Mm -hmm. then you would argue with me then that religious symbols in the public square are not unconstitutional. Well, I would not apply the First Amendment to the state, so, you know, I would agree with you that, you know, on that issue, but maybe maybe for different reasons. Again, they're changing topics. What's the different reasons? Why would I just disagree with you or agree with you? Yeah, what, well, what reason would you give? Well, because if a state wants to have um, religious symbols in its public square, I think it's up to that state. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's... And your point is that's a federalism point, and you reject the incorporation doctrine, correct? I do. I do. Correct. Okay, great. Great. So um, would you be willing to express that? Just until at the end. Express what? Yeah, yeah, of course. Says, please don't make us listen. To express that? It's worth it. Uh, yes, I would. Okay, so you would want a candidate to say, hey, look, I believe in God, I have faith, and I don't think the Constitution should ban this sort of thing in the public square. Pause sorry, that. Sorry, one second. So, so you, you've got to have faith in order to say that the Constitution shouldn't ban an yes. expression of faith in the public square. <laughs> I like it. It, and, and really, that's a complex question. Daniel says Do you here, believe in this and that? Right. That right. means you have to believe in both exactly. together. It's like asking a kid, do you want to be a good little boy or girl and go to bed <laughs> on time? And right. they're like, well, I want to be good, but I don't want to go to bed. Daniel Rice, can we figure out the name of this caller? I'd love to send him a copy of Objective Communication. Now, this caller, he's a big fan of Levin. By the end of the call, he might not be. So I think he's really disoriented. He's like, what the hell? I'm getting browbeaten here. I'm getting smashed. I'm getting stepped on here by one of my heroes. You know, I, I was wondering when I was thinking about this caller, I was thinking, well, what if he had called up and just asked, why do you think yeah. that religious faith would yeah. make someone a better president? Yeah, right. And just had him, and just kept Instead asking saying, that it, question. It, you know, mind, yeah. and if, if, I mean, first of all, I don't know if Levin would take the call. Not exactly. You know, instead of the guy just saying, well, it drives me crazy yeah. when you bring this up. Which is why then he was listening. that gives Levin some, right. you know, jumping off point. If you just simply ask But him, if you just say, ask the question, and then And say, I'll get off the phone and just to, listen to yeah, you. No, no, right. I'll, here's a question. I'll get off the phone. I'll listen to it off the, off the phone. That would be great. That would be great. Because then he would have to, and he would not be able to do it well. Because that's a very direct, simple, pure question with no emotion from, from either side. Uh, well, it, it, Levin would turn to an emotional issue, but let's just listen to the, to the end. Yeah, to the end. I wouldn't want him to say that because I don't want a religious president. No, but I do. do well, I what can, oh, so you're an atheist, right? Yes, I am. Okay, great. Well, can I, can I help you out, pal? This world wasn't created by atheists. What? I mean, this country was not created by what? atheists. Every single man at the Constitutional Convention had a religious or a uh, belief or, don't know a, that. or a faith. That's BS. I know two Some of them are deists, and you're going to try and hang your hat on that, but deists are not atheists. Now, that said, the great thing about our Constitution and the great thing about the Judeo-Christian belief system is its tolerance. You see, you have almost no tolerance for my viewpoint. This is the thing that really angers you. Uh, on no. the other hand, if you're an atheist, I could care less. Amazing. Yeah, I right. care less if you pray to yourself. I if you what? If you pray, pray. Yourself, yeah. I care pray. less if you pray over a three-day-old bagel. It doesn't even bother me. But the Bagelism. fact that I bring it up, this angers you, right? No. Well, for, first, markets couldn't care less, not could care less. Okay, and, fine. And, and second, uh, second. Actually, it is could care less. No, it isn't. It doesn't make sense. Looking you know, at you're an ass. I've had about enough of you. You're a real punk. You know that? And that's it. I mean, that's when it gets really just it just bottoms out. 
So he was rude to him the entire time. He was wrong about the could or couldn't care less. And he just treated this caller who probably makes Levin's job possible, he and other people like him, just treats him with disrespect. And And it's on the idea that those of us who would be fans of someone like Levin, because we have so much in common in terms of goals for the direction of shift in our country... It, it, it makes us into what? I mean, we're some kind of mutants, I guess, to atheists to I guess so. share this common cause in, in politics. I guess so. I don't know. Totally, but you know, let's just say there's a new letter out there that's just unearthed right now where Reagan admits to being an atheist. A fan, Levin's a big fan of Reagan. Will everything about Reagan's presidency change then? I mean, will it, will everything change if Ted Cruz comes out as, as an atheist? Let's just say, I know it's, I know it's impossible. But let's just say, would everything change with Mark Levin? I don't he, know. he wouldn't be eligible then? It's just ugly. We have a caller. We're going to go ahead and take it and see who we have. Hi, hey, Boss and Amy. It's Robert. Hi, hey, Robert. How are what you? What the hell are you? I'm joking. <laughs> hey, man. You, you punk. You're wrong. What are you, what are you so angry what about? What the hell is this? <laughs> How's it going? Boy, I listened to this on Tuesday night and yeah. it was, or Wednesday night when you guys had it on, on uh, Tammy Bruce's show. And I just can't, I can't believe how, how unprofessional and how sophomoric Levin was. And, and you could tell he's just used to bouncing around, uh, uh, dodging issues when he's confronted. Yeah. And I, I felt bad for the caller, but I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he handled himself. He, he could have done a little bit of a better job in, in trying to pin Levin on one, just one thing and, and running with it instead of, instead of letting him, duck and weave all, all the time. Right. I mean, if, if, if he had said, look, you're changing the subject, that was not, he should have done that much earlier because Levin changed the subject again, right again, away, yeah. right away. Yeah. You, I mean, he could have come in and said, it wasn't about you bringing up religion. It was about you instituting a religious litmus test for a presidential candidate. That's what the whole issue was about. And Levin changed it within the first 10 seconds, changed the issue. Mm-hmm. And he kept doing it again and again throughout the call. So... Yeah, he probably had the guy on hold for a while and put all his arguments together and tried, as you said, even from whistling in the beginning. Yeah, just I tried to right. make as unserious an issue out of this as possible. And, and I don't know, I don't know who he convinced. Like his own audiences, yeah. these people are these, you know, rah, these rah. religious people are happier. Yeah. You know, saying that he schooled. <laughs> yeah, and as Bob cool. said, you know, yeah. look, just listen by the tone, and you see one person is calm and, and trying to be reasoned, and the other is completely like an evangelist. He's like a total evangelist, uh, sh- shouting. You know, next, if he had five more minutes, he'd be speaking in tongues. You know, that's right. that's just how how I how I thought he was. Right. So, um, sure. but anyway, I wanted to to to. to say thank you guys on the air for me being there last week and, and uh, oh, describe that I got to see some of Bosch's drawings. Your studio, though small and cozy, it's got nice books and it has nice. um, some of Bosch's work there. And it's it's great to be on the other side uh, on the other side of this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much for visiting, Robert. Mm-hmm. We're going to try now to get through a couple of the disappointing stories before thanks, the break Robert. because I am getting understandable consternation <laughs> in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio about listening to wait, first wait, David Harriman disappoint us, then Levin disappoint. Yeah, wait, what is Pug what, saying? What is Pug saying here? <laughs> um, 
24 minutes on David Harriman being stupid and 26 hey, more pal. minutes on Mark Levin being stupid. <laughs> let's hope hour two, yes, hour two has some good stuff, well, I that, think. That's definitely. the point of the show today. But let's, let, let's get through yeah. these other things really quickly, right? One of them, and we talked about this to, at more length on Wednesday on Tammy Bruce's show, Rand Paul. You know, you would say, okay, you shouldn't even think that you're disappointed by Rand Paul because of the nature of Rand Paul, who was kind of mm, in yeah. the first place. But if you look at the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com to the DesireeNews.com site and the interview with him, they talk about Ayn Rand. And basically, Rand Paul doesn't understand Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. Rand Paul thinks that Rand's view is that everybody automatically acts in their self-interest and that her justification for capitalism and self-interest is that it helps everybody out, like Adam Smith. But then he comes out explicitly for the idea that we are our brother's keeper. He says he calls it a fact. Yeah, yeah. He says that you know, in accepting the idea that people act on their self-interest, which people do not automatically act on their self-interest, and Rand never said that. But he says in accepting that, she obscured the fact that we are our brother's keeper, and we do have an obligation to help our fellow man. You mean like Obamacare? We are our brother's keeper. So long as he's stating these things explicitly, and it's part and you know part and parcel of his belief system and what he's going to be doing as a potential presidential candidate, it's disappointing. By the way, uh, I met Ted Cruz last week, and uh, Rand Paul is no Ted Cruz. Yeah, we'll we'll actually talk about Ted Cruz the next hour because it is not a disappointing thing, but it is something that uh, nonetheless it's just it's it's a it's a a reminder. It's a reminder reminder of what of what our problem is with him. It's not like we're going to have an atheist candidate in 2016. No. We're just not. And that's the whole thing. It's, uh, and, like this. it's not going to happen, but for Levin to come out and, that's not my litmus and test. make it a demand. And also he says this is one of the things that he better right. back up. You know. Right. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I was actually kind of torn about whether to have this in the disappointing category hmm. or maybe we shouldn't even be disappointed by Greg Gutfeld anymore. Yeah, yeah. But Greg Gutfeld released his new book, so there's all sorts of publicity out there about the new book and its content. And one thing that I wanted to point out was the there's 26 potentially insightful and undoubtedly offensive quotes from Greg Gutfeld's new book, Not Cool. They say Islam doesn't mean peace? uh, I don't know if he said that, but it's at The Blaze, and definitely check it out. I I think it makes this book look pretty attractive. I think that, uh, that Gutfeld probably says some good stuff in this book. In particular, I was going to read you quotation number 25, just as an example of something that I found very good. And this is what he says. He says, it's strange to me that the cool, by their very definition, committed to being against the man, would embrace an endless maze of bureaucracies that turns everyone into massive zombies waiting for their allotment of bread and cheese. In the name of the public good, the cool happily, happily hand over their power of individual freedom and the dynamic economy that it produced to a bloated blob of arbitrary administration. You have the media academic complex saluting protesters demanding more government so they can do and think less. They are marching in favor of dependency. They are marching for the right to suck, end quote. And then the thing that was disappointing, so that was good, right? The thing that's disappointing to me is Gutfeld's views about religion, what he says about religion, why he thinks religion is good, and to a certain extent, his presentation about the essential character of his book and its theme itself. Unfortunately, we've got only a a few seconds here, so I'm going to have to hold you over the break 
and let you know that about Gutfeld's yeah, book. But it, it sounds like the book does have things to offer. Well, he has some stuff to say. He's always on the verge of saying something profound and then usually disappoints. We will see you on the other side of the break. Hi, everyone. If you were listening to Liberty Express right now, you'd be hearing a news broadcast. But now you're hearing some behind-the-scenes. What are we going to do? We're going to eat some chocolate or eat something, some chocolate, Bosch? But also, uh, I, I just want to tell people who are listening, if they want to listen to my podcast, it's only about a half hour. I'm going to do it again at 9 p.m. tonight, and I'm going to try to make it a little better because, I mean, it was a lot of uhs, and the sound was pretty bad. And, you know, when people called, I said, hello, hello. Uh, someone pointed out at me. I said, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, but I have a few things to talk about tonight, so I definitely want to do that. If you can join in. The chat room wasn't working yesterday. It might not work again, but you can tweet me. And you and you can call in. I'll tell well, you he, he's starting out with a free account yeah. too, and I think there may not be a chat room feature for also, the free, exactly. free account. And I'm not sure. I think for I think a half hour is enough to blow my gasket. I think that's enough. I don't want to be a two hour raging like Levin, you know. Three hour. Now who is here? Uh, and my oh, show again is called yeah, Things he, That Make My Blood Boil. Just keep, keep it in mind. Uh, Dusty in the chat room was wondering whether that caller who called Mark Levin was grasping for arguments. I don't I don't know if he was. I just I no, do, he was getting assaulted. And he, he was. He was. To stay on point. And and I mean, imagine you call in, and here's this man you admire attacking yeah. you. I think he composed himself really well. I think all so. Things considering all yeah. things considered, he's a young guy. Probably he says, "Look, I, I agree with a lot of what you say, Mark, and this and that." And Levin just basically just uh, roundhoused him. I mean, completely. And he didn't have an ounce of respect for him. Not one second of it. It was complete sarcasm, complete nastiness. It was a, it was a shocker, and I hope he he came back next day or two and said, you know what, I could have handled that better. I hope he did. I don't know if he did. If anyone out there knows, please. By the way, Freedom Breeze, thanks. Um, Freedom Breeze liked my debut. I appreciate it. I, I tried my best, but it was pretty, uh, you know, it's not as not as good as it could be. Well, and it's rough going without yeah. a chat room. Oh, it definitely is. To support you, you had a caller though. So I did. I had a caller, a great caller, and uh, very very cool. Excellent, excellent. Uh, can we have chocolate? Yes. Please. Yeah, but uh, Eater eating Chris Christie, what? What about I don't, him? I don't have a story what about, about him? him. I'm so sorry. You know what? Okay, he, did, he, he, he went at it with an Obamacare supporter, and, they were, and he told her to sit down. Oh, I saw it. that clip. Yeah. I saw that clip. So what was, it, what, you know, what was the gist? What okay, was the... so I'll, I'll give you the gist of that clip. So Christie was defending himself against a woman who wanted him to do more for Medicaid by saying, look, we're spending more on Medicaid in this state than we ever have. And I just happen to disagree with Obamacare. So he wants to expand Medicaid, which is a single-payer program. And he signed on to the Medicaid expansion, but he says, oh, he disagrees with Obamacare. So that, I guess, makes him a conservative? Yeah, exactly. That that, that sounds right when it comes to election time. So what do we have here? We have Lint 70% chocolate. Yeah. I should have a sponsorship with Lint, but I do have a very cool sponsor. If you do want to check it out, Audible. Audible is a sponsor of this show. If you want to get a free trial audiobook. with Audible, audiobook dealer. yeah, the audiobook dealer. A lot of people know who they are. I guess you're right. Some yeah, people don't know who they are, but yeah, they sell thousands and thousands of audiobooks. You can also use with Amazon's Whisper Sync a nice feature, which is that you can have a Kindle version of the book and the Audible audio version of the book and switch back and forth without losing your place. So you can listen to the audio during the day while you're driving in your horrible commute. And then you can go exactly where you were in your Kindle version that evening if you want to read a little bit before you go to bed. It's awesome. So check it out. It's audibletrial.com 
forward slash Amy Peikoff. That's A-M-Y-P-E-I-K-O-F-F. I'm very happy to have them as a sponsor because I'm a customer myself. It's excellent. Yeah. You can also upload your um, um, audiobooks from, I think, iTunes, which is fantastic. You have your own little like shelf there. It's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, I'm chewing chocolate. I'm my so show. Sorry. Again, mm-hmm. my show. Now, you know what? Check out my blog. I've been writing about the Miss Marvel, Marvel's Muslim superhero. And by the way, at the end of Marvel's uh, Muslim superhero comic, after she gets her power, she goes, finally, I feel like I belong to something bigger. Meaning, she's not, Islam is not big enough for her. Mm-hmm. That's, pretty, that's pretty telling. Now she feels like she's part of something bigger. Not, not with Islam. And they also, they, uh, they, mis- they uh, basically took a, a, a quote from the Quran out of complete context in order to try to sell some stuff. Terrible, terrible. I talked about it last night. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Now, what is this? Comic books is a naturalist art? I don't know. Need it be naturalist? No. I mean, it could be fantastic. It could be romantic. It could yeah. be, you know, it, it depends on the artist. I mean, there's, there, there's some artists out there who definitely um, go for a naturalistic look, very realistic, very uh, representative of reality. Some of them go fantastic. Some of them, it, it depends. And some artists go all, I mean, go, go all over the place with that. Thanks, State Finds, who she liked the show too. I, I really appreciate it. I love doing it, but hopefully others might. So it's things that make my blood boil here on Blog Talk Radio. No particular schedule. It's when Bosch is moved to yeah, do it. Yeah, which is probably every day. Ed says, talk about my view of Frank Miller. Frank Miller is probably hands down my my favorite writer in comic books history ever. And he's he's the one guy who, why I became a cartoonist. He's the one guy whose work inspired me enough to say, I want to be a cartoonist, above all. We've got a few seconds, and then we're going to go ahead and start the second hour of the show, which I promise will be more positive than the first hour. In particular, it's going to have less disappointment and some pleasant surprises. So definitely hang on for that. We've got just a few seconds to go. Listening to the second hour of the March 21st edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. I had to correct that because in the first hour I said it was March 14th. I guess I wanted to go uh-huh. back in time or something. This is Amy Peikoff. I have cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with Podcast. me. And he wanted to just take up one issue that we saw discussed in the chat room during the short break there. And it's the issue of whether comics are naturalistic, yeah. right, Bosch? And uh, Dusty says that they're weak on values. Absolutely right. The majority of. Uh cartoonists and comic book writers uh, really have contempt for heroes. They're anti-heroes. I mean, they, the way they write their stories, Alan Moore, while uh, you know, uh, technically an excellent writer, writes about the scum of the earth. 
I mean, there's the only one that was worth anything in Watchmen to me was Rorschach, who was based on Steve Ditko's The Question, and uh, which is based on Iron Man's philosophy. He tried to undercut him, but still he came out as the most compelling character in the entire novel, the one who stuck to his guns throughout the entire uh, series. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Frank Miller is the only one really with the strong values. Whatever, you know, he tries to undercut him at times, who knows what, but... You know, Ditko as well. Ditko, but absolutely. It, but Robert in the fixer, there's no strong values, really. No, no, there isn't. It just gets there's those. There's a hint. Yeah, it, there's a hint. It, it, it implies maybe some strong yeah, values. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of these guys, and right now with, with Muslim superheroes taking hold in Marvel DC, there are super cowards behind superheroes. It's disgusting. And this is where we are. And, you know, I don't, I don't care calling them out because the fact is I don't see myself working for them anytime soon. I would love to do a Superman story, a Spider-Man story, a Hulk story, a Batman. I would love to do that, but not anytime soon. As soon as they get some people with some balls, excuse me, excuse the phrase, I might have a chance. Until then, it's not going to happen. Before we move on to things that are not disappointing because we can't be disappointed mm-hmm. by these people any longer, which includes Marvel Studios, yes. One thing I wanted to just say about Gutfeld, last hour I was giving you the reference to his 26 quotations from his book. And there was a good selection of stuff that makes this book look like it has a lot of good content to it. But then where I get disappointed with him is because I think this is a very smart guy who I think with a bit of study could take his game up a notch. He's He's a sponge. He's like a, a kid, the guy who never grows up. He's like a kid, just a complete sponge about life But he's values. also got a tremendous logical faculty. No, in in some ways, his brain is faster, quicker, That's what appealed to for me. sure, than That's mine. That's what appealed to me. I wouldn't say that. I, mean, I think so. Um, no, no, he blurts it out a lot faster. I mean, he's very, no, he's very, very quick. And speaking about those, those things, he definitely is. But he makes the connections quickly, He's too, good, and then he undercuts, and he gets stupid and for certain reasons. I don't know why. When he's on Fox News, sometimes he sounds like a typical cheap Republican. It's shocking. This guy is supposed to be a libertarian. I mean, that, that's what he, I think he calls well, himself. I, I, just, I just think with a study of some philosophy or thinking about some issues a little more deeply, he could, like I said, take the game up a notch tremendously. Here's an example. It, they ask him at the Blaze, if there were one or two key takeaways from the book, what would they be? And Gutfeld says, to resist the idea of subversion and instead subvert the subverter. Okay, that sounds fine. He says, the path to cool is always about undermining the normal undoing tradition because to the hip and cool, whatever comes before is old and stupid. And so you have to resist that urge to be accepted, to be liked. You have to instead subvert the subverter. Be happy in embracing the common sense or the tradition. Be proud that you're in the military or that you got a good job and that you actually build things. Don't be embarrassed that you happen to be religious. These are things that are always undermined by the cool. Now, he paints this broad brush about common sense and tradition. First of all, common sense is not anything that we should all go on because common sense just means a received wisdom from other people that maybe you have a gut sense is correct. Wait a minute. I did not do that on purpose. You're the punisher. Punisher. I think, didn't Freud say something about like pun, huh. puns are like programmed in our brain or something? Fraud? Just, oh, sorry. <laughs> fraud, yeah. Uh, but, you know, tradition, tradition oh. by itself Would doesn't say anything. Yeah, tradition nothing. doesn't make something good. Islamic it happens to be good? that some things that are tradition in our country are a lot better. But I think you need to identify the substance, not the fact that something is common sense or tradition. Sure. That it some is, traditions are horrific. Yeah, so, so there's that. And then... He defends religion, Why? even though he himself is non-religious. 
I think he, he says, is a frustrated atheist is what, I, is what I think he is. Well, and it's funny because he won't commit to being an atheist, and that's something that Penn Jillette has yeah, schooled him on. Before. <laughs> oh, he ripped him a new one. Check it out if you can. He ripped Greg Gutfeld a new one about that. It's pretty funny. But not to Greg Gutfeld's face. It no. was in his own podcast, No, 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 right? no. He asked him to be on. He refused to be on. Right, right. And that's why he ripped him even more. Right, right. He says, um, he says well, you know, the thing is I'm non-religious. And he says, I wouldn't say that I'm an atheist. I would say that I just don't know. I haven't been to church in years. But there's one thing I know, and that is that the church is a positive influence in communities in terms of encouraging charity and neighborly concern. He says it's an important thing. I mean, it's what I had when I was growing up. You saw your neighbors. It got you out of the house. If you worked at the church as an altar boy like I did, you got to know everybody. Altar boy. You knew. uh, Was he altered? You, you knew who died and who was sick and blah, blah. Okay, so first he talks about charity and neighborly concern. And then he talks about keeping in touch with people you potentially value. I mean, His friends? brain is all over the map. How about and friends? if the idea is that there's some sort of duty of charity, which he implies in other statements. Look, he has a default. He goes into the default, which is uh, altruism, as, as Robert brings up. It's right. altruism, whether it's religious or secular. He just fall, That's like Sam Harris also, the good atheist. Who's an idiot when it comes to, to, to a morality? He's very good against Islam. Excellent. But he falls into the same crap, altruism. I mean, he, he just doesn't really believe that you can have a solid ethics that isn't grounded a, on religion. A morality based in reality. That's what Rand or taught me. Or a, a, a benevolent community of people Absolutely. without religion. I mean, right. this is, these are the things that he thinks. Uh, and, you know, and this is a guy who has atheist friends. So he knows them to be good. I mean, he knows that. I mean, what's the problem here? And he probably knows some religious people who are not good. Can you, uh, and and, he, um, and, he, and he, goes, he goes on to talk about Romney and Romney giving you charity and all this stuff. So this and, idea that charity is the solid value that we need to defend, oh, that, that disappointed me as well. Although, like I said, maybe it shouldn't disappoint me because there are things no, that Gutfeld – Gutfeld has gone, gone so far and been very good on some things and then on other things. Yeah. He has, uh, he has disappointed. But also, I, I think he's very resistant to make any solid, to take any solid position, whether it comes to atheism even. He's very resistant, so he's all over the place. That's why he's very good, he's very funny, and then he's dead wrong, because he hasn't thought things through enough. He, you know, he thinks about everything, clearly, and, but not about certain important things enough. To make a, to take a certain position, you know, certain he, he, he just doesn't off. get fundamental enough, no, and I don't think he thinks that no, you have to. He stays clear, right. clear from that, right. almost almost consciously, probably, because he, he doesn't want to be considered what I don't know, a pariah yeah, of some maybe. kind, right? Right. We have a call here. We'll see who it is. Hi, who's this? Hello, Amy. Yes. Bosh. Yes. Hey, this is Dan. Elaine and I had lunch with you some time ago at Ocon. You may not remember that, but uh, oh that yes, was I do. Yes, we do. Hi. Do you really? Yes, That's we do. How's it going, Dan? Well, it's going great. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm kind of late getting on this subject, okay, or returning to a previous subject, Mark Levin. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I hope I'm, I hope I'm not taking you off track here, but years ago I used to listen to Mark Levin, and I used to hear these kind of rampages that he just you just described there. And now I realize why I don't listen to him anymore uh, for this same reason. I, I think he's just Dan, very childish and out of control. Dan, just 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 a quick question: How long ago was he doing these rants? Oh, this was maybe three or four years ago. Last time I listened to him. Now, what was his audience like three or four years anymore. ago? About the same as it is today, Bosch? I mean, he's he's one of the highest rated uh, shows on the air. Three years ago, he was still top top five for sure. Okay, so it's not like this, it's something that he's doing only recently. He's been doing it for a while. Oh no. 
Oh, no, no. If you didn't listen to him three or four years ago, this is a rehash of his style. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard this at least three or four times from him in the past, and I'm talking at least three or four years ago when he was on the AM radio around here. He was one of the, one of the maybe three or four conservative talk show hosts that were in the area. That's about all we had to listen to. <laughs> but, no, this, this reminds me, of, and, and it tells me that he really hasn't changed his tune a whole lot. He may sound semi-rational, but he always reverts back to his old ways, sounds like. I, I won't be yeah. listening to him again. No, it's sad. I mean, because you know he's been he's been one of the best about about what's going on in Washington, more than Rush Limbaugh, more than the others. He's the only one I've been able to listen to because he takes this these ideas very very seriously. The idea of bringing the country back to some kind of reasonable, you know, but basically bring bring some more rationality in Washington, and and then he does this and undercuts. Yeah, that his whole argument. That's very sad. That's very sad. Yeah, it tells sad. me there's a very irrational base in his Absolutely. thinking. Uh, he, you he know, can, to, to he can be, come up with things and write. It's one thing to come up with things and write, but when you can't be quick on your feet, you have an irrational base like he does. Absolutely. That's going to be a problem. You get angry. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Have, have you right, well, heard Oh, that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Well, it, it's good uh, Good hearing from you again. And, uh, you know, I listen to you on a you know, fairly regular basis, so. But Thanks. I don't listen to Mark Levin for that reason, okay? I, I hear you. I mean, right after I heard that, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where, I don't know, it'll be very difficult to turn him on again. It really, really will. I just wanted to see if he, was, mm-hmm. if he would apologize to this guy on the air and say, you know what, I was out of line. But I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he will. No, actually, I, what, I've not I, heard I, that before. What, what I was going to say is maybe what I should do, I actually unfollowed him on Facebook yeah. after I saw that because I was pretty upset. But what I should do is I should continue to follow him on Facebook because he shares – a lot of valuable information, and then just not listen to him because yeah. it's not like you know with the with the Facebook thing you can just pick and choose and you're not investing too much time. I, I used to find his voice right. very annoying, and then after all the content over, overcame his annoying voice. Now his voice is back uh-huh. to being very annoying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was the other part I didn't like about him is this whiny voice that he yeah. had. Yeah, uh, but, but that's another story, and that's that's just a, a sort of a marginal thing there. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. no, I'm 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 now reminded why I don't listen to him. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Dan. Well, yeah, th- oh, thanks very much for too. calling in, Dan. Thank you very much. All Good right. to hear from you. Thanks. All right, keep up the great work. Thank you. Great, thank Have you. Great Take one. care. Bye bye. You Bye bye. So we are done with our disappointments now. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Now, no, I told and, you I die. Let's, let's run oh. through. Let's run through the next stuff fairly quickly because I want to get to the the good stuff, the more positive stuff towards the end of the list here. Again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. I post program notes for the show there, links to all the stories and other things that we're discussing here on the show. So go ahead and check it out. Next one, and I only want to give a minute or two to this. Although you met Ted Cruz, yes. So that's actually kind of cool. In the, cool. in the event that you went to, did Ted Cruz say anything that was off or disappointed no. you? Any no. little nothing, thing at all? Nothing, nothing, nothing. It was all on point about what needs to be done. Uh, it was all basically secular issues. You know, he didn't bring up any social issues, abortion, gay marriage, nothing, zero. About Washington and bringing it back down to normal size. That's what the, the gist was about. And, uh, yeah, Ed Powell brings up the biker poster. It was so, it, I mean, a, a fun poster. It's Ted Cruz. He has tattoos, American patriotic tattoos all over his body, built like a rock, with a cigarette hanging from, from his mouth. And on a post on Twitter and Facebook, he said, I just want to say there's uh, how do you put it? There's something inaccurate about this poster. I don't smoke. 
I don't smoke. He also said that his wife will be reminded how disappointed she is about him because he looks solid. Anyway, it was uh, I saw an opening. He was talking to I think two people, so I ran right up, you know, and I shook his hand and I, I thanked him for uh, basically for using the term, the proper term jihad to describe the enemy's war on us. Thanking him, I, I thanked him for uh, recommending Atlas Shrugged at his uh, filibuster. And we, I spent like a minute or two talking to him and a few other things. I, I invited him to the show. I hope he comes. I made contact again with his uh, his guy mm-hmm. uh, in Texas and and Washington. And I got his uh, card, two cards from him cause, because I asked him, how can we follow up? We want to get him on. And we really respect him, but we will definitely challenge him. And let's see if he takes up the challenge. We'll see. I would like to know basically more specifically what it is that he would propose to do about these social issues. With, with, if he has full power. Right, yeah. right. I would just like him to lay out what his priorities are and what he plans to do because he said in this little interview, and I'm not even going to uh, you know, go and read it and stuff, but you can get the link over at my blog. It's a story in which it says that Ted Cruz disagrees that the GOP should, quote, agree to disagree on which, social Which issues. is what the very religious Rand Paul said, the, the guy who wants to put legislation about personhood, which is strange. It's like, what the, you're, you, you want to put legislation about abortion and... Yeah, it's like you're your brother's keeper, right? Yeah, you're exactly. your brother's keeper, but... I am Mr. So religious, mellow on the but don't issues. worry about it. So that's, you can't trust Rand Paul at all. Yeah. Ted Cruz, whether you... Uh, I disagree with his positions here. I could trust him. I believe this is actually what it means. But the only question is, once he gets full power, if he does, what, what will he, he do? do about it? What would he actually promise to do? What would he likely do? That's what we want to know because he said something in this interview to the effect that he believes that the GOP should stand defend for life. The GOP should stand for and defend life and, quote-unquote, traditional marriage. And what does that mean in political action? In political action, what does that mean? That's the question. Exactly. What, we want to know what he wants to do. Another thing that I think is disgusting, but it doesn't disappoint me because nothing this woman does could surprise me, is Nancy Pelosi. Wait, sorry, Nazi Pelosi, because she called Pelosi, the Tea Party yeah. Nazis. So. In, uh, in response to a question about Obamacare this week, Said the following, and Bosch has got the clip here for us to listen. Yeah, yeah. Could I just ask, uh, in the current environment, in a swing district, is Obamacare a winner or a loser politically? Well, the, you have to ask an, as a member, but I, 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 I believe that it's a winner. And by the way, it's called the Affordable Care Act. It's called the Affordable Care Act. I know you didn't intend any compliment or derogatory, uh, but it's called the Affordable Care Act. And the Affordable Care when people know what it is and see what it means to them. And that's the case we have to make. We're grown-ups. When Franklin Roosevelt put out, the, uh, when they moved forward with Social sorry, Security. Sorry, uh, she worked for Franklin Roosevelt. That was her, uh, grand, <laughs> that was her grandson, by the way. She said, I'm so convinced about this. Now make me do it. Everybody has to spread the word as to what this is. As the president said yesterday, change is hard. Right. It always is. Mm-hmm. So where, uh, first of all, I was only reflecting that the president himself has used that. I, and, I, I, and I tell him the same thing I told him. Affordable. See, she keeps saying affordable, 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 affordable over not, and over yeah. again. She thinks that's the appeal. It doesn't matter if you're brain dead. If they hear affordable, oh, it's good. I mean, the fact is we should call it right now until Election Day, Democrat care, Democrat care, Democrat care, Pelosi care, Reed care, Obamacare, everything to do with these rats because they're responsible for it. 
affordable. She thinks if you just repeat affordable she, like a mantra, that it's going to yeah. either make it seem affordable to the people who are listening to you. It's not going to they actually know. make it affordable. The, I don't know if she thinks that. Maybe no. she is what well, Rand called sick. primacy of yeah. consciousness. If she's you a sick believe person. it and you recite the mantra, it's going to make a drug it affordable. She's like a lot of these people, but the fact is uh, the Democrats know that despite the uh, pathetic nature of Republicans, uh, they're going to probably kick the Democrats' ass this November still, despite the Republicans, because of Tea Partiers. I mean, I know of someone, a friend on Facebook, who actually cannot afford insurance after March 31st, because, you know, March 31st is the expiration of your carryover of your existing plans. They delayed it to March 31st, so it was going to be December 31st, but now it's March 31st. And this woman shall no longer be insured, independently employed, and just can't afford this. And what you know, what they'd have to do is, I think they'd have to. She said she'd have to pay like seven hundred a month out of pocket for insurance that hardly covers anything. So instead, you're going to go uninsured and you're going to pay whatever the penalty is. And I think it's one percent of your income after this year. So it's terrible the bind that people are being put in because of the so-called affordable. Hmm. Care Act, but yeah, does Affordable. it surprise me that Pelosi? Yeah, a full. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't surprise me that Pelosi does that. It doesn't surprise me that Obama is quoted this week as saying that Lincoln, President Lincoln, would have appeared on the show that's on Funny or Die called Between Two Ferns. Lincoln would have done that, so no. therefore he would have done that. Obama, as you know, and I've been talking about this a lot i think he is responsible not only for nihilism with respect to destroying all the values in this country at large but nihilism with respect to the office of the president itself and part of that nihilism has been all of the pandering that he's doing all of the you know desperate propaganda that's out there about obamacare right now the kind of stuff of you know you might twerk on a kitchen sink and fall and break your leg and haha you need insurance so you better go buy some right away for seven hundred dollars a month for single people or actually young married professionals in new york city that is terrible the amount of money that you would have to spend and they're calling this affordable anyway lincoln he thinks lincoln would have appeared on it so somehow if he if lincoln would have done it and I can lie about whether Lincoln would have done it. Oh, Lincoln's not here, so you can't ask Lincoln whether he would have done it. So it's it's fine that I appeared on that show and wasn't funny at all. And so therefore, if it's funny or die, then you know what the thing is. Not that I want anybody dead, but it's like, hey, be funny, dude, at least if you're going to be <laughs> propagandizing for right. a takeover of the economy. Other things that don't surprise me and therefore they're not technically disappointing but are nonetheless terrible and horrible here's this a lawsuit filed after a praying family was escorted from the empire state building muslim family are you surprised no trying to pray because you know it's that's the place you pray right it's in the empire state it was 11 p.m they're with their two very young girls what are they doing at 11 p.m. at night with two young girls? And a, I mean, serious. That, that just to me is also questionable. And people are a little cautious about these things. They're, they know that Muslims brought down the Twin Towers. So if Muslims are praying in the corner where there are people there. They have to look at them suspiciously say, what are these people up to? They have every right to say, what are you doing here? You can't do this. Right. Right. It's impossible. This is a story from CNN. It says, a New York family's hope for an enjoyable Ugh. outing high atop Manhattan 
ended abruptly when the group was escorted out of the Empire State Building for saying Muslim prayers, according oh, to the also, lawsuit. Muslim prayers, when I, when I went to mosque when I was a kid, Allahu Akbar, it's Allahu Akbar. That's the same thing that the killers in 9-11 said before they flew the planes into the buildings. Allahu Akbar, God is greatest. That's what they say. And that's what they said. They said the same you know, prayer. This is, this is what it is. And, and the, the, the security guard clearly was a little afraid, probably. He said, what are these people up to here? Fahad Termizi, I guess is how you pronounce it, and his wife Amina and their two young children were at the skyscraper's observation deck last July 2nd, shortly after 11 p.m., a time when the family's, quote, religious beliefs require them to recite the evening prayers wherever they may be at the time, end quote. So they don't sleep? Are you allowed to sleep in Islam, or do you have to get up in the middle of the night and pray? I mean, that's, that's BS. As far as I know, you've got to get those, you got to get those prayers in. I mean, we, you know, we were, quote, unquote, moderates. I think we prayed maybe, well, we, we went to mosque maybe twice a year. My and that's gra- the only time you prayed? My, gra- yeah, my grandfather prayed uh, probably every day. Even when he came over, he had his prayer times, you know. But uh, we were, quote, unquote, moderate. You know, we, had, you know, we were raised to have moderate Jew hatred. You know, well, you moderate know now, misogyny. Yeah. Th- thanks to infidel technology provided by Apple, right. you could get a reminder right. at set times, five times a day, now, to the tell you to pray. Muslim world, you know, they're not known for their work ethic. I mean, they just aren't uh, Muslims in general. Uh, so eight o'clock at night during a restaurant, the busiest hours of the restaurant, I got to go pray. You know what I mean? They go there for like a half hour. You know, you know, they have to pray. You know, it's for Allah. So I guess one of them managed to pray without incident. One guard interrupted and, quote, menacingly poked Fahad Termizi, quote, with his hands and feet several times in various parts of his body, the court document said. Because, I mean, you know what that it is. If you let people into a building, you have what, to just let them pray yeah, exactly. and do whatever they want, right? No. I mean, and, you know, they did the same thing in the streets of France, if you remember. In the middle of the street to block cars, to block traffic, to pray. We're coming up on a break. We're going to have uh, about four minutes worth of ads. And then we will be right back with the last is negative for the day and then go into some positive stuff. So hang on. Hello, everyone. This is Abash. Uh, we're, you know, we have the commercial break for the other radio show and uh, for the other station. So in the meantime, I'm just talking uh, before we get back on the air. Um, we'll be talking about the uh, Miss Marvel uh, next. Uh, Marvel Comics created their Muslim superhero. If you recall, if you haven't, uh, check out my blog. I, I have a whole load of uh, um, blo- uh, posts on it, on it. Probably two dozen posts on it. Islamic comics in general. And if you haven't read my piece, uh, I basically lay it all out why we shouldn't have Muslim superheroes in my PJ Media piece called uh, Ten Truths uh, Mainstream Comics Evade in Order to Promote Muslim Superheroes. And the, um, let me just uh, tease you with this one uh, quote that Marvel has in its solicitation for uh, issue five of Miss Marvel, the uh, Muslim comic book. In the solicitation, they say basically... Um, Marvel Comics Muslim Superhero Miss Marvel is coming coming for you New York she's coming for you and I talked about that last night on my show I'll probably talk about it again today I mean think about that coming for you you know New York Muslims came for New York in 93 came for New York in 2001 
And uh, just one second. Can you want to get back in? So you can give me my headphones. Yeah. yeah. So is everyone in Blog Talk Radio Land standing and stretching? That's what I want to know. Yes, That's what we should please. use these breaks for. Stand and stretch. Take a little break. You're going to. Yeah, maybe we need more chocolate. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> to handle Ms. Marvel. To stomach Miss Marvel, I think maybe. We've got a couple callers here in the queue, but I think I've spoken to Dan already, and the other one is not, as far as I know, wanting to ask a question. If you do want to ask a question when you call in, I think there's a little prompt that says press 1, so make sure that you do that if you actually do want to talk to us. State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, I'm taking a Chris Crispy Donut break. That sounds good. Privatizing chocolate, waiting for your book. Yay! Privatizing chocolate. Mm-mm. Any any kind of chocolate. Privatized. I don't know. Do I want government chocolate? No, I don't want government chocolate. I'm sure our chocolate's government regulated, but that's terrible. But yeah, we are in the last segment going to have some positive things in addition to first letting Bosch vent a little bit about Ms. Marvel. And uh, I have a couple things to say about that as well. So that'd be good. Um, Speaking of my book, by the way, I've been thinking before I was going to title the book Toward a Society of Privacy, but I think it's got to have a little bit more of a confrontational title or just a little bit more controversial. And so I want to actually call it Legalizing Privacy, Why and How. And I think that's going to be a much more compelling title, one that's going to make it come off the bookshelves more. But I'll talk more about that as and when I get into it. So we're going to go into the next segment. Hold on. Hi, this is Amy Peekoff, and I'm returning after our short break here. And I'm noting that people in the chat room are making good use of these breaks. If you're in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio during the live show, it's quite fun. (laughs) Robert NYC, for example, is talking about Mark Levin refusing to pick up government chocolate when he walks his dog. (sighs) Um, Daniel says, according to FDA regulations, breakfast cereals may contain up to 2% impurities. The government expects that every 50th bowl of cinnamon toast crunch that you enjoy could actually be comprised entirely of dead insects and rat poop. Enjoy. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I ate a lot of breakfast cereal in my life because my parents gave us breakfast cereal for breakfast, but I have not eaten a bowl of breakfast cereal for about yeah. three years, four years, what? something like that, pretty much. By the way, there was a story. I have a cousin who lives in Albania. This is a Muslim country. It's a Muslim communist country where he said a three Albanian jihadists murdered three Turkish border guards. The Albanians were heading into Syria to fight alongside the quote-unquote rebels, Al-Qaeda. So, you know, this uh, my comic book is about uh, also Muslim, Muslim jihadists and some of them are Albanians. And that's all. It's, just, it's, it's, it's bound to happen that even a relatively civilized Muslim country, which happens to have one foot in Europe, one foot in the Muslim world, they will, they will come out eventually. Right. You know, they will they will connect with Islam in a way that leads them to kill. And in that vein, we want to talk about what Marvel Comics yeah. is doing as the last negative story of this yeah. Friday today. So let's for a few minutes, let's talk about it. If people want to hear more about what Bosch has to say about Ms. Marvel, definitely check out his podcast from last night, his 
Oh, you think you're going to talk about the topic yeah. again tonight a, a little, little bit? A, a little, little bit. Okay. A little bit. I got some also, but yeah, definitely. And if, especially if you want to call in and talk to him about it, yeah, please. tune in tonight. Because definitely. last night you did it very impromptu. At I least did. now people are getting exactly. some warning so they can call in. You thinking about the same time again tonight, 9.30 Pacific? Nine. I think nine. Nine Pacific time? I think okay. nine. I think okay. nine is better. Nine Pacific time. So nine to 9.30 Pacific time. So this story in. is, uh, as I mentioned before, um, I... Um, I was looking through some, there's a previews, it's a catalog for all the upcoming comics, and they had a little solicitation, they had a little description of Marvel, Miss Marvel number five. And in the description they said, uh, how does a young girl from Jersey City become the next biggest superhero? Kamala is her name, Kamala Khan. C-O-N or K-H-A-N? I think it's C-O-N, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, Kamala has no idea either, but she's coming for you, New York. She's coming for you, New York. A Muslim superhero is coming for New York. And in the cover, she's atop a, a, a big lamppost, and she's looking over New York City from New Jersey, and dead center is the Empire State Building. And to me, it's just ominous. It's like it's, they took down the towers. Here's a Muslim superhero. She, she, has, she has powers, and she's looking at the Empire State Building as what? Now, what I'm saying is this character would never dream of doing that. But when Muslims come for New York, they come for our towers. They come to knock I mean, buildings down. They come to kill people. Okay, so, I mean, their, their idea, are they thinking that they're being funny with this? They're making a joke you know what, about I, a Muslim superhero coming for New York? As my exchange with Marvel's um, uh, senior vice president, Tom Brevoort, when I asked him, why would you publish a comic book about a culture you don't, you don't understand anything about? He said, I don't understand anything about this. So basically, he deferred everything to his Muslim editor and his Muslim writer. So no one's watching the store there. They're letting these two have their way. And they're probably laughing behind the scenes. Who knows? Because that, to me, is, it's, it's just... It's so obvious. It's in your face. It's, yeah. It's yeah. in your face. And they're, and they're getting away with it. Because, you know, they're females and they're Muslim. And it's a female character. And sooner or later, Muslims will demand a male Muslim superhero in Marvel in, in no time. Plus, they'll probably demand that Spider-Man convert to Islam. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking. They would probably do that. Say, you know, enough of this. Let's let's make Spider-Man. You know, then, and that they will they will be satisfied with that. As Amy said about their uh, suing, uh, there was also another one. Uh, a Muslim in a gym wearing a headscarf, and the owner said, "We don't want you to wear that," and she's suing them. You know, yeah. they want they and want I, extra I think, rights. I think that's what they do. They keep pushing their religion in places that they know it doesn't belong. Yes. And then when they aren't allowed to pray in the middle of the Empire State Building or wear your headscarf at a gym where it could pose a risk to you and other people. Suppose the headscarf gets caught in the treadmill equipment or whatever and ends up causing injury, right? So they they will allow you to wear only safe clothing in the gym, right? So that they they can't do it. But if they don't get their way, what do they do? They sue. And that's what Brooke Goldstein always talks about. She talks about lawfare. And I think I saw Joy Joy Tease on Twitter was talking about this as an example of lawfare. They call it legal jihad also. This is part of it. Uh, Turn the culture ever so slightly more in line with Sharia law. This is what they do. Uh, you can, now you can go to places certain ways. You can pray publicly in certain places because you, there, there are foot baths in airports and colleges, something that they, have, they don't have them in the Muslim world. We have them now. We're building it. As I mentioned last night, this one guy after, after one of my talks told me it's as if we're putting sheep's clothing on the wolves ourselves. That's exactly what we're doing. 
And that's what Marvel's doing. And it and seems like they, it, that the importance of it is not being lost on them if they are using that as a promo. She's right. coming for you, yes, New York? Yes, she's coming for you, New York. What the hell? I mean, look, that could be innocent if Muslims are not coming for us every single day during this war. That could be innocent. This is not innocent in, the, in this context at all. And what's Miss Marvel doing about jihadists? She has superpowers. Why isn't she out there? Kill, kill jihadists who are, quote, unquote, uh, you know, dirtying her religion. I just got one, one last thing to say about that. This is a note to Marvel Comics about this. I said, if Muslims didn't come from New York in 1993 and 2001, your description and cover would not be as ill-boding as it is. But the whole purpose of your, quote, unquote, Muslim superpower is to pretend that Muslims aren't, aren't coming for us during a time of, of war when they are coming for us every single day. If they weren't, your Muslim superhero could have been eyeing the Twin Towers instead of the Empire State Building on your cover. And that's the whole point. You got the whole landscape of New York City, and Twin Towers are missing. Why? Because Kamala, Miss Marvel's co-religionist, brought them down. It's just sick. Listen to Things That Make My Blood Boil by Bosch. In the evening tonight, you said 9 to 9.30 Pacific Time? Okay. So let's turn on to some positive stories here. Things that were surprisingly positive this week. Here's a pleasant surprise from the New York Times. Yes. The lying New York Times. The sometimes lying New York Times. Sometimes. Rebecca Campbell, who I guess is an entrepreneur and writes a column, uh, I guess a blog called You're the Boss at New York Times. The headline is The Surprisingly Large Cost of Telling Small Lies. And she writes, recently I caught up with one of our angel investors for lunch. Peter is a brilliant entrepreneur from England who's lived all over the world. He's built several businesses and now lives a dream life with a house on a harbor, a happy family, and a broad smile. She says, as our conversation drifted from an update of my company to a deep discussion about life itself, I asked him what he thought was the secret to success. Everybody's got their own idea, right? <laughs> I expected the standard never give up or some other t-shirt slogan, but what he said took me by surprise. And here's the quote from Peter. The secret to success in business and in life is to never, ever, ever tell a lie. He I said. love it. I love it. Music, music awesome. to my ears. And she says she was stumped. She says, it's, you know, she knows it's bad and telling the truth is good, but complete honesty. He said that complete honesty is the access to ultimate power. Now, you know, you think of power, the word, t Tony Robbins has destroyed the word power for me because, you know, your, your personal, <laughs> personal power. power. <laughs> He's like always chewing. At least talking like right now, I'm, I'm chewing chocolate. Personal power. You know. But no, the ultimate power comes from honesty. And if you understand Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism and the virtue of honesty as she does, this is not a huge surprise. That Yeah, that honesty is actually selfish. I mean, I've taught this in classes to undergraduates, and I love teaching this because so many people think honesty is just about what you tell other people, yes, yes. right? Whether you're lying to other people, but honesty, honesty most profoundly is a virtue about keeping your direct connection to reality, yep. understanding the truth about what is going on in reality and being able to act accordingly. And you cannot keep a connection to reality, to the truth, unless you consistently maintain it. To Absolutely. The, right. If I just mention one thing, how about an ideology who gives you license to lie? I mean, absolute license is part of the ideology, right. which is Islam, taqiyah. Yeah. And the, at that point, you say, okay, well, when, when should they lie? When should they tell the truth? Yes. 
There's there's no set principle no. there. And the principle is basically lie when you can get away with it, when yeah. you can achieve something on the behalf of Islam. And yeah. She says, she says as, as we spoke, I started thinking about the little lies I tell every day, often without thinking about it, but not always. I have been guilty of exaggerating a metric here or there or omitting facts for my own advantage. Each time there is a little voice inside my head that tells me it is the wrong thing to do. I have wondered whether everyone does this or whether it is just me. Could this be what has been holding me back? And she says, I did some research and it seems that most of us lie quite a bit. Study by University of Massachusetts said that 60% of adults could not have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. The same study found that 40% of people lie on their resumes and a whopping 90% of those looking for a date online lie on their profiles. Teenage girls lie more than any other group, which is attributed to peer pressure and expectation. The study did not investigate the number of, to- of lies told by entrepreneurs looking for investment capital but I fear that we would top the chart, she says. And she says most people lie about little things to make them look good. Uh, 30% of respondents in a study by a film rental company lied about having seen The Godfather. It's a classic film. We assume everyone has seen it, et cetera. You also see the surveys that go around about all these classic books that such and such such esteemed publication bets that you haven't read more than six of these books on the 100 list. Who knows? The funny thing with me is, and Bosch has seen this before, because he'll say, oh, have you seen this movie before? And I'll say, no, I don't think so. And then we'll sit and watch it. And then about halfway through, I was like, I've seen this movie before. I just don't remember (laughs) having seen it. I feel so bad. I I have simultaneously the ability to get extremely involved in movies. And secondarily, I have forgotten movies that I've seen years ago. I cannot believe, and, and good movies too. I've forgotten that I've seen them. So that's Pretty bad. That's funny. That's pretty bad. I don't know. I have Sorry, a very selective memory. Daniel asked here, wait, uh, he goes, there's a Muslim policy that says lie when you can get away with it. This is news to me. I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but let's say you're not, Daniel. Uh, yes, it's called takia. It's a, basically a doctrine of dishonesty. But it's for, you know? for the purpose of warfare, basically, no, right? Not necessarily, no. No, no to protect okay. yourself, to protect Islam. You know, and then it goes into basically, what does that mean? Anything you want. You know, it, cause, because they say basically what the forbidden... Is, is, is acceptable if it's in the name of Islam. You can lie in the name of Islam. You could say, I, I love everyone at work. You know, I don't hate that Jew. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't hate that woman. That, I'm saying it, but it's, 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 it's a license to lie. And think about that, an ideology that says you can lie. Don't worry about it. It's, it's good to go. Don't worry about it. Right. I mean, and, it just tells you. I, and this is why that when the Muslims uh, need to be reminded when to pray five times yeah. a day, they have to turn to infidel technology yes, because do. their That's brains are funny. hindered by their Well, they also have turned to, to infidel technology when it comes to mass murdering. They can't do it on their own. If left to their own devices, they would have clubs. They would try to club everyone to death. This way, they steal planes. They steal weaponry. They steal nuclear secrets. They have to steal. So then... Uh, Sorry. This, no, it's... it's <laughs> Islam, 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 right? I'm done. Uh, Until tonight. So Rebecca Campbell here goes on to talk about the consequences of lying. And there's physiological consequences. It causes stress. She says, every time I tell a lie, I know that I am no longer present. I feel a tightening in my chest, sweat on my palms, just a small amount because I only tell little lies. But lies they are. She says, they place me in a false future, increase my level of stress, and prevent me from being as creative as I can be when I'm fully present. Now, what is this? It says, um, 
Daniel says, there are times when objectivism condones lying. Can we take this principle with a slight edit? The secret to success in business and life is to never, ever, ever be dishonest. Right. Now, you know, we would have to discuss more what sort of terminology we should use. Yes. Are, yeah, technically I say you, you would lie, for instance, if Hitler comes to your front door and says, hey, where are you hiding the Jews? Yeah. Right? And you've got some Jews in your basement or something. And, I mean, come and on. You love the Jews um, and you don't want to but, give them to Hitler. But say, you're not uh, being dishonest not in, in the sense of – and Rand's definition, again, for dishonest is faking reality in order to achieve a value. Right. If you are – "Quote unquote lying in order to defend a value from an an unjustified attack. No, this is not being dishonest. No, it's not. You're not because that you other embrace the reality. You're that, embracing yeah. your values. That other person is the person who is going against human life and human nature by initiating force or announcing an intention to initiate force. So here she's saying, uh, Campbell's saying that it causes stress. Um, line creates stress. So it says polygraph tests measuring blood pressure, perspiration, pulse, and skin conductivity can pinpoint a lie with tremendous accuracy. And she said she recently discovered the firsthand, uh, firsthand the corrosive effect of lying. She says for several years she's worked as a director of a nonprofit organization. They do great work. She says a few weeks ago I caught the leader of our group lying, not whoppers, but a series of tales about why he was late. Etc. She says she confronted him, and he justified his line, saying that it avoided unpleasant consequences. Can I just say something about that also? Um, Marshall Lynn, you know, he lies about his dog poop. He looks over his shoulder. By not picking it up, he's, he's lying in action. And if you're going to lie about the, the small things, well, you'll be honest about the big things. Right. I know people at work who gave people a regular coffee when they asked for decaf, happily did it, called them out for it. And they say, oh, this is just, this is no big deal. Oh, so when the big issues happen, when, when the real pressure is on, you'll be honest, right? Mm -hmm. No. Right. If you lie about small things, you lie about everything. Well, and then it was interesting because she was surprised when she went to an investor pitch and she went through the financial model and budget and she was open, completely open about the negative aspects of her company in the pitch. She said she tried an experiment, tell the total truth. At the end of the conversation, he said, I really appreciate how transparent you've been with me. Give me a day to think about it. And then she said the next day he called back and invested. That's fantastic. She was stunned. So she yeah, basically, think about it. She was stunned also. I mean, and every, everybody it, thinks that you can achieve something hers, by that. Yeah. Meaning the guy would be like, oh, that was just an, an experiment. You know what I mean? That's right. not you. Uh-oh. Right. I should have invested. After, after the guy read this article, then he, he basically dumped the uh, business. I'm joking. <laughs> no, not at all. He because was, um, was she was experiment. honest completely. And, and this is the thing. You know, when I have applied for jobs, I've always put objectivism always. on my CV. I was out in the open about my objectivism all the way through my graduate degree in philosophy. And I think that helped me a lot. Uh, it helped me get through the program faster and everything. Let me go on to a couple other things that were pleasant surprises this week. Both of them come from The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. I want to play for you first the audio of Obama and Putin having a phone call about Crimea. Listen to this. As you said earlier, though, everyone's been talking about the situation in Ukraine, and uh, things are getting pretty tense over the past couple of days. And President Obama has been talking to Russian President Vladimir Putin on the phone to try and work things out. And, and it's so amazing here at The Tonight Show, you get access to a lot of stuff. <laughs> 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 
We actually got footage. Are you serious? Of their most recent phone conversation. Oh my gosh. Check it out. Hello? Hello, uh, Vlad, it's Barack. I, I've been trying to call you all day, where you been? I'm sorry, sorry, I've been playing iPhone game Candy Crush. It's so addictive, I just take the candy and I crush it. Oh, I hear you, I hear you. It's been quite a stressful week, I'll tell you that much. Obama's lifting a beer right now, he's drinking it. It's over here, too. And, and Putin is lifting a whole vodka bottle. Look, look, we, we got to talk about the situation in Ukraine. I mean, uh, you invaded Crimea. No, no, no. You got it backwards, my friend. Haven't you heard the 80s comedian Yakov Smirnov? Everything in Russia is opposite. So technically, Crimea invade us. <laughs> look, don't you see what you're doing, though? Uh, you're forcing people to uh, accept something that uh, the majority of them don't even want. Yes, in Russia we have word for this. Obamacare. Ouch. 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 Now that hurts. Yes. Does Obamacare cover burns? Ha-ha. <laughs> Ha-ha. Very funny. And no. Look, bro, I, I'm just trying to do my thing, and then I'm watching news. Next thing I know, you're sending John McCain over to Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. McCain in the Ukraine. McCain in Ukraine. McCain in the Ukraine. McCain's insane, got no brain. Oh, we have good times. Anyway, look, 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 I know you really want Crimea. Okay, but I got some advice for you, okay? Just let it go. Let go? Let it go. Let it go. Can't I hold couldn't, it back. I couldn't resist still playing this because it's titled Don't Let It Go Unheard. Let's go. Let go. Turn away and slumber. I don't care what they're going to say. Let storm rage on. The Cold, Cold War, War never, never bothered, bothered me, me anyway. So look, Vlad, Vlad, just just to recap our call, no progress was made here, right? None at all. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye bye. Oh, I, I like that for a couple of reasons, of course. First of all, that he's willing to bash Obamacare. Mm -hmm. I like that the audience responded so favorably that to that joke. Yeah. You know, we, we have a word in Russia for making people buy something that the majority of them don't want. We call it Obamacare. That's perfect. And it's perfect. Um, the liberal, the Fallon, the liberal audience. Right. And, and, and that also showing him as basically being chummy, with Putin, not really trying to make any real progress, and then just saying, okay, well, just for the record, we haven't achieved anything during this right. call. So he's being deceptive right. to everybody when they talk about the call. And, and this, that went viral, that, that, that clip. So let's just see the Obamas go on Fallon's show next time they go on. Seriously, they might resent it and not go on on a while. You know, we'll see. He'll probably make it up, do a pro-Obama piece soon. But that was good. 
It was. Now, Robert NYC wants to bring me down a little bit here in the chat room. He <laughs> says, right. notice that 99% of the audience that laughed at Obamacare voted very, for Obama. Very, very likely, as I, did Jimmy Fallon. I'm wondering, once they're really feeling the pain of Obamacare, whether they would have voted for him again. We're going to find yeah. out some of that in November. Yeah. Are they going to take it out on the Democrats, or are they not? This is really what They we took need it to out know. on the Republicans in 2006. I hope they go even further. Because if that's the case, they can really imagine a super, super majority to the point where, you know, Obama can't even veto bills. You know what I need to do next? I need to play the next clip from Fallon. And it is Fallon using an iPad app to create a doo-wop group. And it's, I guess, a four-man doo-wop group with Billy Joel. And they did this through an iPad app. Listen to this clip. We move it, but 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 that was Billy Joel. Now they have two layers. They're going to add a third and a fourth. cut that there because we're almost out of time if you want to listen to the rest of that clip highly recommended and if you want to listen to it in better fidelity i'm I'm assuming that the sound quality here over blog talk radio is not that great it's a little garbly in my headphones go to don'tletitgo.com and check out the links all the links for today as well as those two clips from jimmy fallon People in the chat room are saying, yeah, the audience is going to laugh at anything that he does. But here's the thing. Fallon, to my knowledge, is the first Tonight Show host that can sing and dance and 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 a true, really versatile entertainer. And I'm 
actually kind of impressed with him. I mean, obviously, we want to see what happens, and I don't think he's perfect in any way, shape, or form, but I'd like to see what comes out of him in the future. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. And, yeah, listen to Bosch tonight, 9 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio for things that make his blood boil. And tune in, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a good evening.